While there's a feeling of optimism around the PIT program, there's also a tremendous feeling of mystery, which leads us to ask a variety of questions as training camp comes to a close. How much better is Kenny Pickett? Is this the shutdown Narduzzi defense we've been waiting for? Was Sean Watson really the problem last year? We'll get the answers in a few months, but until then, we'll ponder those questions and a few of our own on this week's Hail to Pit podcast. about finishing it in these final 30 minutes. Well, you know, it happened in, it happened in West Virginia. We're knocked off number two. It happened in South Carolina. It's happened in Pittsburgh today. Our guys had a lot of guts tonight. We're just going to keep getting better. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. Dude, what one hell of a game that you will never, ever forget. We shocked the world. Hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. This is the week of August 24th. And this is the Hail to Pit Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Pam. And whew, one more week left of training camp before a final week of prep for Virginia. So since next week is game week, this is our final preseason episode. We got to lay it all out there and talk about what to expect from the Panthers this season at H2P Show. If you want to follow along on social media with us, right, Pam? We're there on Twitter and Instagram. It's on and popping. More and more people getting into the show. Absolutely. Be sure to interact with us. Tell us what you want us to talk about on the show, and we'll try and work it in. Absolutely. Lots to get into this week, and as the season goes on, I'm sure a lot of people will be opinionated and want things covered. So at H2P Show is where you can interact. We are presented to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com. If you want a podcast today, if you're a sports fan and you want to cover a topic or do what do a show on whatever, really, it does not matter. All you have to do is go to prettyeasypodcasts.com to get started today. You don't have to worry about being an audio expert. Uh, you just have to sit down, talk on a microphone, and, and you get your own personal producer. It is the way to go. It is podcasting made easy at prettyeasypodcasts.com. This week, as Pam alluded to, so many questions regarding one Kenneth Pickett, the quarterback, looking to rectify uh, his trajectory because I think he took, I would say, a step back last year. Some would just call it growing pains. We're going to argue about that. We're also going to get into the ACC this week with a complete conference preview as we've done for the other conferences. We're going to talk about the best conference of them all. ACC preview coming up at the end of the show, but the big thing this week, our first guest, the very first guest ever here on the Hail to Pit podcast, and it will be does do, do we want a drum roll? I don't even we don't need a drum roll. Let's just call him call him who he is. He's the man, the quarterback that won the greatest backyard brawl ever, Vince. Pat Bostick, the current color analyst for Pitt Football on the radio, associate athletic director of Major Gifts for Pitt is going to be on the show today. We spoke with him earlier in the week, and what insight, and really a lot of things to cover after the Pat Bostick interview. Yeah, this guy is a true legend 
at the University of Pittsburgh. A uh, won that thirteen to nine game, kept West Virginia out of their only national ch- championship opportunity. Uh, the year later, won what I think is maybe the longest game in the history of Notre Dame Stadium, beating the Fighting Irish. This guy came up big in some major games, and now he is a true pit man, uh, doing it all at the university. And he let us in on some some excellent tidbits, some excellent analysis of what he's seen in camp so far this year. Uh, really interesting stuff getting ready for this huge game against Virginia next week. A quarterback near and dear to our hearts. But Pam, how about what Pat Bostick brought up on, on the interview we're going to play here in a minute? I mean, he really kind of enlightened us to some things people aren't talking about when it comes to pit football. Oh, he talked about some position groups in such a positive way. Vince literally sat up straight in his chair. He took him by surprise. Um, It was awesome. Uh, Pitt fans see Pat Bostic everywhere around. He's always there uh, supporting Pitt. And just uh, some things that may shock Pitt fans were brought up in this interview. Yeah, it's really enlightening uh, from a guy who has been, you know, obviously watching the team in camp probably as closely as any member of the media, the color analyst for Pitt football, Pat Bostic joins us as our first guest ever here on the Hail to Pit podcast. Super excited to have him. We spoke with him a couple of days ago, and we're going to send you to that interview right now. Pat Bostick, man, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Hail to Pit podcast as our very first guest ever a voice of the Panthers and a quarterback near and dear to my heart because, well, you won the backyard brawl, the, the backyard brawl to end all backyard brawls as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's great to be with you guys, and uh, uh, congratulations on getting this up and running. It's an honor to be your uh, first guest, and uh, I have fond memories of the brawl. Looking forward to it um, coming back a couple years from now, but uh, we'll focus on this year. We're, we're less than two weeks away, so... Uh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. I, it's it's you're putting us on on the map just two weeks before the, the the season starts. We're ready to go, and you're ready to go into the booth. How hyped are you to be back in the in the booth with the legend Billy Hillgrove? Oh, it's been great. You know, it's this will be my seventh uh, season, and uh, you know I had a one year uh, hiatus, a one and a half a year hiatus, and um, I missed it. And it, it's it's a joy to work with Bill. And um, obviously, it's uh, something that's really uh, meaningful to me to, to be able to call pit football games. It's something I'm extremely passionate about, and uh, it's always more fun when the, when the Panthers are winning. So uh, let's hope for for a good season. From what I've seen, I'm uh, I'm optimistic, and uh, I'm looking forward to that opener. It, it certainly has a different ring to it when you're you're kicking off at night against a uh, division opponent. So that that'll be a big one at Heinz Field. Well, let's uh, let's talk about that opener, Pat. Uh, uh, UVA first uh, game of the season, crucial uh, divisional conference game. Uh, very different from what Pat Narduzzi has been accustomed to with opening up against what, what I'll call lesser competition. And when you were a player, you were in a similar situation. Uh, the one year you guys had to travel out to Utah to go up against a very uh, tough opponent out there as opposed to some previous years against maybe lesser competition. As a player, how does that play into your mindset there when you know you got a major game uh, first week of the season? You know, it's, uh, 
I think it just heightens your awareness and, and your preparation. Um, not to say you prepare any differently um, for anybody, because the first game's always you're always excitement's at a peak. Um, you want to show out. You want to get off to a good start. It's all um, you know rides on that one game because that, that's the game in front of you all off season. But when it's a division game, uh, it probably you know it it probably just gets you more in the mindset of. Yeah, this really matters. Um, it, it matters in not only the, the win and loss column for your season, but for your for your division. So uh, they'll find out right away where they're at. This is a team that was uh, in Virginia that was picked to win the win the coastal. Um, they have a good amount back. They've, they've got a you know, Perkins is a dynamic quarterback. Mendenhall has done a great job um, rebuilding that program. They've got a um, probably one of the best corners in the country in Bryce Hall. So. They have talent, but but they're coming to our place, and I think this team is uh, you know to be the reigning coastal champion, picked fourth, um, is motivation, and to have the uh, those that have been uh, crowned before the season started at your place to start the year is if you can't get up for that, you you got a hard time playing football. What's been different with Kenny Pickett since Whipple's joined the staff, and how has his approach in camp? or what you've seen out of him in camp been a little bit different this year than uh, in previous years? That's a good question. You know, I think he's, um, he's matured. Obviously this will be his second full season as a starter. Um, you know, it's different, uh, Pam, being a starter than it is coming off the bench and being the hero. I, I know both roles uh, relatively well. Um, you know, Kenny had an off season going into last year of adoration and, uh, hype and all things that were deserved based on his performance at the end of the 2017 season. Uh, obviously, the Miami game was was the uh, the high water mark um, and propelled him into the off season. Uh, but when you get into a, a full season, you're going to have your ups and downs. And um, Kenny's ups were pretty high last year. The Wake Forest game was was a, a great performance. Mm-hmm. I thought we'd see more of that. Um, but obviously, there were some lows. And uh, really playing the quarterback position, it's, it's, you know, it's how high are your highs and how low are your lows. you got to keep your lows not too low. And uh, I think he's um, grown um, in terms of his, uh, his awareness of how to play the position, his awareness of, uh, of when to live for the next play, to limit mistakes. But at the same time, he's, he's, he's experienced both sides of it now. He's, he's had bad games. As a starting quarterback, he's had good games as a starting quarterback. There's a comfort level going in that he knows what to expect. And to have a new coordinator um, with a new offensive philosophy and mindset um, and, and a skill group around him that they're going to have to utilize a lot more than they did a year ago, losing Quadrillison and Darren Hall. I think Kenny's got a freedom about him now that he can go out and play um, and that he can go out and, and make plays and take some chances and um, I think he's just a guy that, that plays better when he knows he's being relied upon. Um, whereas last year he was relegated to more of a game manager role. Um, and Mark Whipple has been um, just a, uh, a nice complement to that growth process. Um, I think offensively you'll see a lot of different things that will put Kenny in a position to get into a rhythm very early. And um, I think this team will have uh, no problem throwing the ball more successfully because uh, they've got a full complement of weapons, and, and Kenny's fully capable of, of getting those guys involved. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about this week on the show, Pat, is is 
the doors kind of being open for Kenny Pickett to succeed a little bit more, a little bit wider this year than they were last year, or we're really anticipating how he looks this year. On defense, we were all very excited to see Rashad Weaver. Unfortunately, he goes down with a terrible injury and something that we've been mulling over the last couple of weeks since the injury is that you know Pitt's going to have a great secondary. We're very confident in the personnel uh, behind the defensive line, but how much is the great secondary going to matter if this defensive line doesn't improve off of what could mostly be considered a rough season last year, especially against the run, and now they're down probably their best edge rusher? Yeah, I mean, there, there's no question. Rashad's a huge loss. He's, he's probably if not their best defensive player, at least top two or three. Um, and I would say he's probably one. Uh, but but I think if, if you were to lose a key piece on either side of the ball on this team, you, you would want to lose it on defense because I think that's where their depth is. Um, this is the best secondary uh, that Pitt's had in a long time. And the problem has been in years past, you know, tying, you know, a, a good secondary with not being complimented by a good pass rush and vice versa, having one, not the other. Uh, I think this year this team has a great secondary, which helps your pass rush. Um, it'll, help, it'll help alleviate that loss of Rashad Weaver when you have that extra half second to get to the quarterback because, you know, Pinnock and Mathis and obviously Dane Jackson and Ford Hamlin uh, are back there locking down Jazzy Stogger. Um, I think that benefits the D-line. When you look at the D-line, I think it's their best unit on the team. Um, I was extremely impressed with them all, all camp. Um, they look the part. Their ends are long. Uh, if, if you guys were able to get a, a glimpse of Haba Baldonado, he, he looks like Rashad Weaver. Uh, he's six foot five, 255 pounds, long, athletic, learning how to play the game, coming into his own. Deslin Alexander has been um, – plug and play um you know, very much a patrick jones type of player in my opinion uh, i see him having the type of year that patrick had towards the end of last year uh, given rashad's injury uh he's six foot four 270 pounds stout against the run dynamic relentless physical um and patrick jones is going to shine and then you look inside and i think they have great athleticism with amir watson Keyshawn camp complemented by jalen twyman uh, who has just been um an animal in training camp. So I'm, I'm really bullish on this defensive line. And uh, as I am with the secondary, the linebackers are the other group that is just a little bit of a, a fluid um, deal right now. You know, you got a lot of new parts in there. And, and Brightwell and, and Reynolds have played a lot. Pines played a little bit. Um, but you got Phil Campbell moving to the linebacker. Obviously, Kylan Johnson coming in. So that's the group I want to see. Uh, um, how it shakes out because, you know, we've grown pretty accustomed to seeing, uh, you know, <laughs> Sean Idowu, Elijah Zeiss, and Quentin Warginis play. Uh, now there's some new faces out there. Switching gears, Pat, a little bit here, we are all very excited about the ACC network. What type of impact do you think the launch of this network will have on the program? Do you think it will help in recruiting or just help with the increased exposure at all? No doubt. Yeah, I think it's uh, – it's a huge asset. You know, the ACC is, um, you know, a little late to the party on this. Um, but, it, you know, you centralize your content. It's 24-7. you got your own channel, so there's that brand equity. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you fight for a presence on that network. And, obviously, uh, it, it's vast in its reach all up and down the East Coast across the country. 
So if, if you're putting a good product out there competitively, um, we are prepared thoroughly to put a good product out there visually and, and from a video standpoint. You get a chance to promote yourself, and um, certainly that's a huge asset. And, and as you know, obviously is the monetary component of it. So not only does it help you recruit from a visibility standpoint, but it helps you, you know, bolster your whole department uh, from an athletics perspective financially. And those projections are um, obviously heavily dependent upon um, you know, you know, who jumps on board from a provider standpoint. So anyone listening, please uh, call your provider if they're not already, um, sub, you know, part of the subscription. And, um, and make sure you have a provider that, that does carry the network because uh, it benefits the university. It benefits the department and what we're trying to do to, to obviously provide a great experience for our, for our student athletes, but, but ultimately win. Let's hope it also leads to Billy and Pat on live TV. I'm hoping you guys get some exposure too. <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants to see that. <laughs> we got Verizon FiOS at our house, Pat, so we're uh, we're locked and ready to go. Very excited. You, you guys are it. good to go. Uh, uh, back to the team now. Uh, looking at this upcoming roster here, we got uh, some establishment on both sides of the ball. We know about Maurice French. We know about Taysier Mack on offense, what those guys can do. On defense, we know about uh, how good DeMar Hamlin and Jay J- Dane Jackson can be. Uh, but could you give us a couple breakout stars, maybe the people that aren't talking about enough that are going to become, you know, maybe big household names by the end of the season? Yeah, you know, offensively, um, you know, my breakout stars is not a really a, uh, an unknown commodity. I think Kenny Pickett's going to have a great year. Uh, but to go to, to a, off the beaten path a little bit, you know, a guy that's improved a lot this offseason has had a great camp uh, has been uh, Will Gregg, the tight end transfer from Arkansas. This offense naturally is going to feature the tight end more. Uh, there's more, you know, three, four wide receiver sets where the tight ends working in space in the middle of the formation. Um, yeah, I think that's an opportunity for him to use his athleticism. He's put on about 20 pounds. Uses athleticism to, to create some mismatches in there, along with you know, Nikia Griffin Stewart, who transferred in from uh, from Rutgers. And Grant Kerrigan's had a great camp as well. So the tight end position as a whole, I think you see a lot more of that position um, in the stat book uh, per se. Another guy that's really jumped off the page recently um, is Vincent Davis, who's a true freshman running back from Florida. Uh, he's small in stature, but doesn't play that way. You know, where's number 22? I've heard the name Little Emmett thrown around for Emmett Smith. But he's had a great last two weeks. He's dynamic. He's fast. He runs hard. And uh, I think he's a, a pace setter for this offense. And uh, I would not be surprised to see him utilized in a lot of different ways. Uh, defensively, I mentioned one of them earlier. Jalen Twyman is, is going to have a big year. And uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with inside. This guy's wearing number 97 because he idolizes Aaron Donald. He works out with him. Um, he, he, he somewhat looks like him, uh, although Aaron's a little bit more more chiseled. But um, Jalen has transformed his body, and he is um, dedicated to the game um, as much or more than anybody on this football team. Watches countless hours of film, and is an impressive young man from the D.C. area. And the only other guy I'd mention back there, and this is a household name that hasn't made himself mainstream yet, is Paris Ford. Um, Pitt fans should be fired up to see this guy play. He, he brings an energy to the field that 
you might not be able to hear him talking, but he, just know he is. And um, he, he, he has a chance to be the heartbeat of this defense. And um, he, he just – words can't quite describe what he brings to the table from a personality standpoint to this football team. You got that right, Pat. Uh, it just seems like this kid has a lot of charisma around him that I'm very excited to see. And, and we've just been salivating at the thought of him getting his hands on the football uh, the past several years, and we hope he could do it this year. Um, you, you talked about Vince Davis, and that brings me to my next question. Uh, it seems like you know every press conference uh, coach has had you know, uh, throughout training camp, he's talking about a different running back uh, playing mm-hmm. well. And, and it seems like there's, you know, four or five guys back there that, you know, he, he, there's a possibility of getting the football. Uh, is that a good thing uh, that there seems to be some uncertainty there uh, in that everybody could be capable? Or uh, are you more looking to seeing a guy just really take a stranglehold on that position and, and really be the bell cow for the offense? Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be one guy that takes it. You know, if you if you back up two years, and you recall the uh, uncertainty about the position um, going into the 17 season without um, obviously James Conner, um, I don't think anyone would have predicted that Darren Hall and Quadrio also would both rush for a thousand uh, yards each a year later. Um, I think there is a wider variety of talent in this running back room than probably they've had since Pat Narduzzi and, and Andre Powell have been here. Um, you know, I categorize them. Yeah, I think the, the Todd Sibley and, and, is, is, and uh, A.J. Davis are, are more in the mold of the quadrille center, Darren Hall. Darren has great breakaway speed. Quadri does as well. Uh, A.J.'s got great side-to-side and, and one of the best uh, dead leg juke moves I've ever seen. Uh, he, he made two tail, two DBs run into each other in practice and took it to took it to the house um, with a juke move early in camp. Sibley's a thumper. He's thick. Uh, looks kind of like Deion Lewis back there. Um, not not as low to the ground and quick, but he's thick and he's he's just tough to bring down. His center of gravity is very low. And, and then you have guys like uh, Michael Salahuddin and and Valique Carter and obviously Vincent Davis who. Um, can not only run between the tackles and are elusive, but you get the ball to them in space, whether it be sweeps or screens or throwing the ball to them on the perimeter, and they're going to be, you know, just a bear to deal with. So I think they've got five guys that can play. I really do, and uh, wouldn't sh- wouldn't shock me if you see two tailbacks in the game um, and some some personnel groupings. It's really exciting going into this season, knowing that there are a lot of capable guys that really are going to get their first shot at at extended playing time, Pat, and Pitt's going into it as the defending Coastal Champs, too, and the crazy thing is that there's a lot of unknowns about them, there's a lot of unknowns about every team in the division, because I would say it's the hardest division to predict in college football. Do you think? Do you, do you think it is? I mean, you, Coach said you could throw a dart at a dartboard, hit it, and make that your guess for the season because it's going to be really tough in the division this year. It is, yeah. I mean, you haven't had a team repeat as Coastal champions since Virginia Tech did it in 2010 or 11. So it's you know, eight, nine years. So it's um, certainly a lot of parity. Um, I think there are a lot of good football teams. Um, this year will be interesting. Um, I think, you know, you look at Carolina's got a new coach and, and what's Mac Brown going to implement culture-wise. They obviously had a rough year and really fell from grace pretty quickly. 
under Larry Fedora. Miami's got, uh, you know, obviously Manny Diaz and, and always has the talent, but can they put an offense on the field? Can they have a quarterback be effective? Um, because I'll tell you, those guys they have on defense um, are as talented as the guys that play for Clemson. Um, so they will be um, always a tough out. Virginia Tech, it's been, you know, their culture seems to be a little bit in disarray. Got some guys in the transfer portal that have left. They got rumors about, you know, not wanting to win games to get to a bowl. They've got some things going on in Blacksburg that aren't customary to that program. But again, it's Virginia Tech, and you're playing Lane Stadium, so it's 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 no um, nothing to to, to uh, you're not going to chalk up a win anytime you play them. It's going to be work. Um, Duke loses Daniel Jones. Georgia Tech's going from the triple option to a more modern offense. The storylines are endless. Um, and yet I think there are two teams that are, that are relatively constant in the discussion that, you know, or three, Virginia, Pitt, and, and Miami, that are returning quite a bit. But there's one aspect of their of their team that has been a question mark. Virginia is probably the most solid across the board. They had a great bowl game last year, but Pitt, can they throw the ball? And same with Miami. So um, we'll see. We'll see who's able to uh, improve the most, of course, this season. And it'll be another uh, – um, nail biter, I think, in the coastal division. Um, whether it happens early or late, um, the winner is going to have earned it. Yeah, I think I think week one is is big, but I definitely don't expect to get any answers in the division until mid to late season. It's going to be tooth and nail all season long, Pat. And as we wind down here, man, we just want to ask you, what are you most hyped about when it comes to the 2019 Pitt Panthers? Just a couple of weeks away from kickoff. You know, this is probably going to sound cliche, but um, I think it's important for for folks that that are you know fans and supporters of the program to know that this the culture around the program, the, the players they have, the relationships they have in the locker room. This is as close of a team as I've been around. The culture is great. They compete. They have fun. They they want to win. There's jabbing back and forth between offense and defense. Um, the competitive spirit on this team is, is, I think, unparalleled since Pat Narduzzi's been here. And I'm, I'm, you know, I believe culture wins, and um, I'm anxious to see that bear out. And uh, there will be there will be adversity, there will be uh, challenges, um, but I think they have the right culture to overcome it. And um, that's why I'm, I'm excited about this season. I, I think there's certainly question enough questions to go around, but. They have the um, they have the culture and the leadership. I think within the within the locker room to overcome that, and um, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, I think it'll lead to something pretty special. Yeah, I can't wait to see that fire on the field with with the players. They seem excited for the season. We know you're you're pumped to get in the booth and call the games, Pat. We really appreciate you joining us this week on the Hail to Pit podcast, man. Hail to Pit. Hail to Pit. <laughs> Okay, what part did you perk up the most on there, Vince? Because re-listening back to our interview with him, I still can't believe the, the, the line he had about the defensive line, bullish on the defensive line, even after the Rashad Weaver injury. Yeah, Alan, I, I know you were, you've been very critical of this unit. Uh, I, I got a lot of high hopes for these kids. But, uh, you know, Mr. Baldonado that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. Hubba, from from Italy, he had some very high praise for this kid. We all know about the potential that we heard about him 
uh, before he got to the program. But this seems to really solidify it. And, and you got to expect the big things from this kid right now. We really appreciate Pat Bostick joining the show, enlightening us to the defensive line a little bit there. But also, Pam, I didn't know Pitt actually had tight ends. Did you? I, 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 you would not have known it last year. Um, I think they forgot that they had them, but he spoke very highly of uh, Will Gregg, the transfer from Arkansas, uh, the transfer from Rutgers um, as well. And he talked about how they're going to be using those tight ends more and yeah. really opening up the middle of the field. I feel like last year watching Pitt, there were so many times I would say the middle of the field's wide open on those few times they did try and pass and when they didn't decide to run straight. I think that was – so vulnerable last year and i'm interested to see how much more wide it, open the field it is under whipple's offense yeah i guess we'll find out was it a situation where the the tight ends just weren't up to snuff last year or was it that just whipple wasn't uh wasn't Watson. using the or, watson. Uh, watson wasn't using them properly and it sounds like this year whipple wants to use them and they've gotten a lot better so, yeah, well, uh, Greg put on 20 pounds. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. I'm very excited. Talent's obviously there for that kid. So um, maybe in a more wide open offense, he'll be better utilized and be able to be productive here. And we couldn't have asked for a better guest for our first guest, too, because Pat Bostic does is one of the few media members, I think, that get, gets a close look at the team before the season starts and and he, he let us know, Hubba's put on 20, 25 pounds is looking bigger and looking the part. He said all the defensive ends look the part. He, he's talking about, Greg's got the puts on the weight. I mean, we've got some good insight there. The, the high praise for, for Twyman, I mean, not as chiseled as Aaron Donald we're hearing, but really, honestly, who the hell is? <laughs> I mean, right. Aaron, Aaron Donald has like 12 or 14 abs last time I counted, so... Uh... So natural. <laughs> so that, that that interview was tremendous. Pat Bostic, again, we, we really thank him and, and the Pitt Athletic Department for always being so uh, cool cool to the media. If uh, you, you reach out to them, they're the, they're the best. And uh, we look forward to having more great interviews from people affiliated with the program and the athletic department. Uh, the first of many, hopefully. But there it is, our interview with Pat Bostic. Uh, and you called him. You called it right, Vince. Legend, uh, easily my favorite quarterback to play at Pitt in our lifetime. Even even more so than Tyler Palco because Palco hasn't been on the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a future episode. <laughs> All right, we need to shift it and talk about hopefully a quarterback who will be creating a legend this year. He's got a lot of work to do though. Kenny Pickett. The big question in, in in camp is how he's getting along with Whipple, Vince, and the bigger question for the season is, I, I guess, is what? He, is he going to be any better? Can he be better? D did he peak? I mean, there's so many things to ask about this quarterback. Yeah, it, you know, it, all the questions and mystery surrounding this offense, you know, is the offensive line going to be able to protect him? Is the play calling going to be right? Are, are the receivers going to get open? You know, all that stuff has to happen. But also at the end of the day, Kenny Pickett's got to be better. He, he's got to find the open man. He's got to hit him. He's got to make good decisions. Yeah, and the going back to Bostick's interview for a second, the one interesting thing he talked about in regards to Pickett is the – the ad the attitude he comes in with um, at the end of the 2017 season, um, he beat Miami on the home home field in such a heroic moment. Um, that's what people had high high expectations last year, and he was brought 
greatly down to earth there. And so it's a new attitude, especially for him heading into this year. So I think with that, maybe the expectations will be significantly lower than they were coming off the 2017. He was a legend after that Miami game. Um, And the combination of the offense will do the teams a lot of good, I think. Kenny Pickett has a lot to, to prove, I think, this year. He did have the shining moment as a freshman last year. Uh, you know, he he went through an entire season. Let's face it, the body of work freshman year wasn't – it was four games. Last year, an entire season, he throws 12 touchdowns and six picks. He has very few games where he threw for any kind of yardage except the Wake, Wake Forest game. And if you're a quarterback in – college football in 2019 and you're throwing for under 2,000 yards in a season and you played all the games, that's not going to cut it. I, and I don't even care if you play for a, a team like Georgia Tech that used to run the option. You need to throw for a little bit more. And in, in today's day and age, uh, you know you need to be able to do multiple things as a quarterback. You need to be able to make the short throws. You need to be able to go long. You need to be able to use your legs and you need to be able to play within a system. But the question for me is, what is the system this year going to be for Kenny Pickett? Is he going to be uh, held back and, and reined in by Whipple and asked to do very little? Or is he going to be asked to do more than he was last year? We talked to Pat Bostic there, uh, Pam, and he said it, it, he feels like they're going to kind of take the reins off of Pickett, and he feels like he was a little handcuffed last year, it sounded like. Yeah, and he talked about that Wake Forest game and how – Pickett did well and they saw some things in that game that that maybe they could build upon from last year I think last year also when the the run worked and I think they just kept going back 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 to a fault to that um because when they did have success to it they didn't ever go away and I think it might have been a combination with the uh the offense but I'm interested to see um I mean, the fact that the the tight end as a position group is being talked about um, is a big improvement over last year as well. And I think they are going to take the reins off of him a little bit, um, especially in the beginning, maybe open it up and then maybe rein it back in if they need to. I'm interested to see if they come out firing in that Virginia game to kind of take everyone off guard uh, compared to where they were last year. I think, you know, you're you're touching upon something there. The infatuation, falling in love with running straight, maybe, maybe <laughs> that that also might have uh, cost Kenny Pickett the opportunities at the the reps last year. Through he threw what three hundred and ten times last year, Vince. He they could have asked him to do more. And Bostic said there earlier in the interview that Kenny Pickett plays best when he's asked to do a lot, or at least more than he was yeah. last year. And you'd think you know, with how effective you were running straight that you'd maybe work in some play action off of that. And it just didn't seem to be there. Uh, And that's why I really feel you got to come out guns blazing here and and really, and really open it up. Uh, Because if you're real predictable, uh, unless you have elite personnel, you know, other teams will eventually find a way to stop you. Uh, And so they need to really be versatile here. Uh, I think they got enough weapons in, in in different skill positions. I think Kenny's good enough to handle it that they could really spread the ball around, attacking different levels, different areas of the field, keep the other team off balance. If I don't see a jet sweep this year, I'd be okay with that. that was, just, I wouldn't just... mind that either. I'm a little jet <laughs> sweeped out. You're right, Pam. Yeah. I'm, I'm just – I'm going to go back to that Miami game because if you could play like that in a spot like that – 
just, you know, totally green, wet behind the ears, and you go in and you you get a big victory, there's something there in Kenny Pickett. So if we're going to ask this honest, straightforward question going into the season, is Pitt handicapped by a limited quarterback? I'd say even though last year was a little rough, the answer to that is no. There's something to be found in the in this quarterback, and I'm hoping Mark Whipple's the guy to do it. What do you guys say to that question? Is Pitt handicapped by a limited quarterback who could do not a whole lot? I'm going to say no because he, he's proven that you know he has you know the talent to to make it happen. Uh, it, it's just all the things got to come together uh, to make it work to really show what he can do. And I, and I think we're going to see some of that this year. Uh, for me, it's not as straightforward of a no. I I don't think they're handicapped per se, but I do think last year they were overly cautious with him and not letting him let it fly. And is it just, is it just a different coach and a different offensive coordinator that kind of made him or made the team handicapped by – his play or is it something with him? Are they worried about him making too many mistakes? Um, I don't think they're the team is handicapped by his play, but I'd be interested to see if they come out against Virginia and run, 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 then I'm going to be worried again about it. I think they need to come out and make a statement that they weren't one of the worst passing teams again in in college football like they were last year. I'm I'm thinking there's probably something to the reason why they might have, you know, held him back a lot last year, and that might be because Kenny Pickett is just a, an athletic kind of quarterback who's going to maybe go out there and freewheel it a little bit more than a, a coach would want, and that's what I'm guessing. But I have the cool thing about week one coming into next week when we preview the game is I honestly have no no honest clue what what that offense is going to look like the first few yeah. drives against yeah. Virginia. Yeah, well, and 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 to be fair, you know, under under uh, Coach Watson, it's not like whenever Max Braun or Ben DiNucci was under center that they were you know slinging it all over the field either. Uh, th- there wasn't much creativity there, you know, regardless of who the quarterback. That's was. true. That's a valid so, point. Uh, you know, it, it seems like there's going to, like you said, Alan, there's going to be a big change in philosophy. We're not quite sure what it is yet, uh, but we're all looking forward to it. I, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, something that really catches lightning in a bottle and everybody off guard like uh, like Matt Canada was able to do a few years ago. But it, it's going to be something different than, than what we've seen the past couple of years. I promise you that. Yeah, safe to say it's the thing I'm most excited to watch uh, week one is just what the offense looks like. That and how Pat Bostic mentioned that just the, the fire and the hype that this team has. A lot of personality, a lot of energy uh, with Pat Narduzzi's team this year. Hopefully Kenny Pickett is a, a part of that. Um, the play calling, I just want to go back to last year real quick before we look ahead to Whipple. How bad was Sean Watson's offense, Vince, in a oh. nutshell? I mean, we always make fun of it running straight. You've just brought up it doesn't matter the quarterback. Not a lot of creativity throwing, but just how much change was needed after last season? Well, I'll say this. You know, I, I could get behind running straight because it was effective. Oh, it's fun when it uh, works, yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't. That Virginia fall. Tech game. Yeah, yeah. That was a blast. Well, even against Virginia. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't. Re- a lot of people forget that the the quick the the fastest 
a way to get between two points is straight, Vince. That's the yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, but everything else that they did was just just not up to snuff. You, you know, I mean, I remember uh, the game against Notre Dame where, where they really could have used some first downs to, you know, extend possession and maybe they could have held on and won that game. You know, uh, you know, third and medium and they're throwing – a pass, you know, beyond a swing pass beyond the line of scrimmage or a slant pass that wouldn't get you a first down. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is inexcusable. Uh, they just did not have the variety of play calling or even the aggressiveness to attack, you know, medium distance down the field. And they got to do that this year. Really need to average more than a touchdown a game throwing the ball to and a little over 140 yards. I would I would hope that's what Pitt averaged Pam last year in through the air under Sean right and the Duke game where they scored over 50 points um, Pickett still finished with under 200 yards passing and 50 of those were on one play so even when they put up big points it wasn't an impressive performance from the passing game Pitt was one of the worst passing teams in college football last year the team, most of the teams worse than them were triple option teams. So it's got to get better. Here. It's absolutely got to get better. And how many of those are even left? Like three, two? I triple mean, option. Yeah, maybe. I think they were in the bottom five in passing um, in college football last year. Yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech last year. Well, yeah. And Army, the, a lot of the military academies. Goodness. So needless to say... Uh, Pat Narduzzi had to do something. He did enter Mark Whipple and a quarterback was still, I think, plenty left to offer the offense. Be intrigued, be excited. Uh, The defense, Pat Bostic mentioned, has depth. The offense, lots of potential. And uh, well, I guess it's going to it's going to hinder on on how we. How, how Pitt goes on offense through the air and on defense, uh, how they stop the run. I would I would guess that's what I would say. And then when we look at the schedule here now uh, and we come to the uh, the epic moment where we get to pick for the entire season, Pam. Ooh, uh, I'm excited. We, we, we're here looking at, at up and down for the whole campaign. Let's start off here now. Who will Pitt upset on this schedule? Yeah, it seems like every year there's uh you know, there's a big upset <laughs> that they that they somehow pull off that they weren't supposed to. Uh last year maybe not so much. But um I, I would Are you gonna are you gonna what about their uh, in state rival? Do you think they're gonna upset them? That's that's an interesting one. I it, Penn State it's very hard to say. You know, they're, they're going to have a great defense by all accounts. It's a road game. It's going to be very difficult for sure. Uh, I'm not quite sure what they expect from them offensively, but that, that is a tall order there. Uh, one, one thing that may, you know, may surprise people is, you know, I mean, they got blasted by UCF last year. I think maybe that could be a game that they really – and it's hard to say if they'll even be an underdog in that game. We'll see how UCF is, but they lost a lot from last year. Um They'll put up over 30 on LSU in their bowl game. I, I, I'm still a believer in the UCF system and that they are that damn good and can compete with the power fives. 
Yeah, I think they'll be competitive. I don't know if they'll go undefeated. They may have one or two losses because I think they also play Stanford this year as well. Or no, that's USF, I think. Um, But I think UCF is going to put up numbers on Pitt and Pitt's not going to win that game. Well, two points I'm going to make about that. And first of one is a broader term. I'd like to get your guys' opinion on this, is that there's a lot of people that believe that this system – that Pat Narduzzi runs on defense is just cannot stop a, a spread offense, a good spread offense. It needs to adapt somewhat. And, you know, we've seen it against North Carolina every year. It seems that they just cannot, you know, there's just guys running wide open and, and they, and they just can't stop it. Um, so I'd like to get your guys opinion on that. And then the second thing about it is UCF's quarterback right now, I believe is going to be Brandon Winbush, a transfer from Notre Dame. Not the best passer, so I think that really neutralizes some of that, uh, you know, maybe game-breaking ability of some of these other uh, uh, skill position players that they have, and that's why I could see Pitt winning that game. I think the if Wimbush can get the ball to guys in space, I think it's it's over, even on Is shorter. He a good enough passer to do so, but it doesn't have to be bombs down the field. I think he can hit quick passes and if they play up tempo and keep Pitt's defense on the field that's going to be a problem for Pitt and what you said about Narduzzi system I don't think it's going to be as bad of a blowout as last year against UCF they lost Mackenzie Milton unfortunately for them Um, but I do think the difference this year from years previous about Narduzzi's system in relation to a spread, can they stop a spread, is the guys that he has in there are his guys he recruited, and by all accounts, they are expected to be better and be able to play in the system. So I think that is not going to be a problem. That's that's a good point. Uh, before we get to you, Alan, if, if, if they trot this defense out there and they continually get, to get smoked by – really good offenses uh, that can pass the ball in a spread formation. I mean, what does that say about this defense? That, that it doesn't work to, to me, and, and you got to change, change direction there. It does, but also, uh, Pam brings up personnel. You're talking about the best secondary Narduzzi's had. So also, yeah. you're, you're looking at your best opportunity to stop those kinds of offenses. Even if Pitt loses that game, uh, you know, in, in you know, mid to late September, it's not the end of the world as long as, you know, they just don't get run up and down and out just, I mean, total track meted like they have been against UCF. It, that that has been embarrassing. And also, I want to say uh, about Wimbush, uh, in that offense, doesn't matter. I, I don't think he needs to be too accurate. He just needs to, you know, follow the formula and guys are going to be open. But we'll see. Their, their personnel is declining, taking a step back a little bit. Um it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fascinating game. That's the fourth game on Pitt's schedule. And when they get to that game, that's going to be the last game on, I'm going to call the toughest four games, stretch of games they're going to have all season are the first four games. UVA is a coastal yeah. favorite. Ohio is a favorite to win their conference, the MAC. Penn State is obviously, I mean, one of, if not the best team uh, that Pitt will p- play on the schedule. Uh, them or I would I would say Miami, and uh, you know and then UCL UCF and 
honestly, if Pitt starts 0-4, which would be horrible, <laughs> it's not the end of the world because these are the toughest games. And after that, it's it, it, they're going to be seasoned at, after the end of September. By the time they get to the end of September, this team will already have been through fire and smell like smoke. Well, I think that's probably going to be the case regardless uh, in, in terms of their scent. But if they're if they're zero and four, that that's a major problem. I don't think it is. I think there's a lot to be salvaged, especially playing in the coastal. And uh, how can you say that? You only have you only have one conference game in the first four games of the year, and it's well, yeah. They but yeah. there's a lot to be salvaged after that. Now, what there, if they, there is a is, lot to be sal- salvaged? But are they going to be able to, you know, get back up? I understand Pat Narduzzi teams do not quit. Uh, in in on on seasons, uh, they they've they've shown a lot of resiliency so far in his tenure, but you know that is a disastrous start. What if they went one and three? How would you feel then? I'd be because fine. that's I would very be, realistic. I would be fine with it, and I would be actually excited about it if the one was against Virginia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, would uh, that it, change your outlook if they win that ACC game and? Go 0 3 against the other teams. There's too much at stake. I got to take it game by game. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, you asked, uh, or or I think I even asked it, who who will Pitt upset? Here's who I think Pitt will upset Uh, Syracuse in October, and then any team that's favored to beat them that's a coastal team. That's who they'll upset. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's a fair, fair thing to say, especially with, you know, Pat Narduzzi's record. Uh, in the conference. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think Syracuse is definitely prime for it. I also would look at Miami as well um, because I just don't know about Miami's offense at all yeah. and what that quarterback situation is going to be. Um, they have a red short shirt quarterback stepping in um, to start there. And I, if this pit defense is able to produce turnovers, um, yeah. then I think there's potential there with Miami. Yeah. We'll be we'll be talking about the the ACC a little bit later on in the program, but it, you t- teams like Syracuse, uh, team like Miami, I, I look at those teams as big wild cards. You know, they could be you know they could be very good, but they could be just average. I almost could say that about every team in the conference except for Clemson, honestly. Um, I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be very good. I I actually, you know, doing prep for this show, I actually saw some some bozos picking Georgia Tech to beat Pitt. I was was shocked. Maybe that's that's why they're bozos. Yeah, I see. And I even saw predictions also saying Pitt's going to start off hot, beat some of these teams, the best teams on their schedule, and then fall off. I would, if I'm predicting, I I almost would predict the opposite, a slower start. Uh, Pat Narduzzi teams, to me, feel like heavyweight fighters every season that get going when you get to the 8th through the 12th round. And and that's what I'm expecting again this season. Well, I know Ohio's early on, but one thing Pat Narduzzi had, and Ohio is a very good team, um, expected to be in contention for the MAC title. But one thing Pat Narduzzi has done is he's beaten those teams he's supposed to beat, especially out of conference. Those non-power five schools that have come in, they've taken care of business in those games. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think an undefeated record probably against you know not non power five non conference teams, and even when you look in conference, you know he outside of North Carolina, Ugh. he's won the games that he was you know beyond the shadow of a doubt supposed to win. Yeah, yeah, there's some toss up games you know here and there you know that that you know that he's lost, but you know for the most part, except when it's North Carolina, he's taken care of business when he's had to. You're saying he's the opposite of the other coach that coaches there on the south side. <laughs> yes, that's, that's absolutely the, the truth. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get let's get back into some of the schedule then. Now we're, we've looked at identified some teams Pitt uh, might upset. We just talked about Narduzzi uh, beating the teams that uh, you know he's he's supposed to beat usually. But if there are some teams that could shock Pitt, I don't think we're going to say Delaware, but. Ohio has to be the one that you you would expect, but is there any way Ohio would be favored to beat Pitt in in week two after the UVA game? I mean, if Pitt gets embarrassed, that a, it's at home right. too. Yeah, yeah, if Pitt looked absolutely awful uh, the first game uh, and and just got at crushed, and Ohio looks very good in their their first game, then I I could see that, but. Uh, I uh, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, if anything, I think it'd be a a pick'em type of game. If anything, but. yeah, I don't think we have to think about that, and I don't think we have to worry about Pitt losing games they're supposed to win. Um, also, that it's with this schedule, there might not be many more that they're what? supposed to win. What? So what? I I think. I think there is a lot, especially later on in the year. I definitely think, actually, this is going to – I'm calling it now. This is the year they beat North Carolina. That team has a lot of rebuilding to do. They should have won last year big time. That was awful. But I think this that they are – every team in the division, except for maybe Georgia Tech and Duke, should you're, beat Carolina. You're You're braver than me. You can't do it. No. The, I, okay, then. I mean, that's going to be one of the few games Pitt is favored in. They're going to be favored in five, four, maybe four games this season. And they already are, are oh, underdogs oh, at home in week one. Ohio, Delaware. Um, Duke, Carolina. And Duke. Duke, North oh, Carolina, and Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. They should be favored. I would think they'd be favored in all those games. Although I will say... Uh, and betters can probably speak to this. Is that, that that Ohio game is the classic wet, wet down look ahead game? You know they're coming off a huge game against Virginia, whether they win or lose, and then the the following game is against Penn State. So that that is a horrible time to have this Ohio game. And it's an eleven a.m. game. It's a weird time. I, I guarantee that spread is going to be closer than what. Uh, people say or what they expect and i expect a lot of wise guys to be on ohio that game ohio is going to be a good football team i know that's the scary part about it they are (laughs) they're not talking about some cupcake coming in not fcs this is uh a team that is expected to win one of the group of five conferences and maybe even who knows how it goes they kind of beat up each other in the mac and there it's tough for one of them i think only one of them has ever gotten to a new year's six but maybe maybe they could even be a contention that you have teams that are that are very few and far between in those group of fives that can really scare the pants off you 
or at least make you respect him and not look past him. That's one of them. So Pitt's, Pitt's schedule is uh, not the toughest in the country this year, but it's it's still it's still uh, interesting to look at, especially when you consider how wacky kooky the freaking Coastal will be, as it always is. Uh, I think we've come to the moment of truth now, though. Whoever wants to go Uh-oh. first, let's give our, our prediction for a record. I'll go first. I will brave brave the waters. I think Pitt is going eight and four this year. Okay. I think they lose to Penn State. I think they lose to UCF. I think they lose to either I think they lose to Syracuse and Miami. And win the rest. Okay, I'd that's, say that that's kind of e- that's, that's kind of uh, that's reasonable, right in the middle uh, there. I mean, that's a little bit leaning yeah, on the positive could, end, but yeah, I could see them losing to Virginia as well to be seven and five, or losing to Virginia and beating either Miami or Syracuse. So I think that's where their variables, but I do think they'll finish strong on a winning streak. I don't see them beating Penn State or UCF. Absolutely not. Okay. I I could see a win over UCF at home. It's possible. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know I, it's po- I, I think it's going to be closer. I, I, but I, I think either of those games they could win. Penn State? I think they could. I I really don't. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a a, a preseason prediction. Uh, sure to go uh, wrong. We, we have no data points right now, um, but we, but we will, you know, in in a few weeks, come time for that game. Um, now I'll, I'll go next here. I was I've been on the fence between seven and five and eight and four. Um, it just seems to me like so much has to go right uh, for for this t- team. Uh, to really succeed, like the um, the defense needs to be as advertised. The Kent offense with Kenny Pickett, uh, the needing to have an improved offensive line, the the need to have improved play calling, the the need to have you know receivers getting open and catching the ball. It, it just seems like a lot to ask to to have a really good season. But then I heard Pat Bostick talking, <laughs> and he and he's got me he's got me real hyped for this. Uh, I, I it sounds like they're going to be better than what I expect after listening to him talk. So I'm going to say nine and three. Wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. He 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 really changed uh, uh, my, my outlook on this season. I think that we'll probably lose one between Central Florida and Penn State. Uh, we'll lose to North Carolina. And then we're going to lose lose one other conference game, um, but a nine and three at the end still a good season. Nine and three, I'm I think you're talking about the best case scenario, and I think it's very possible. And I'm I was leaning towards it, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna err on on the side of a loss to some some other ACC team that's going to do outperform what they're expected to do. And I'm going to go uh, with Pam on this with eight and four. Yeah. I, I think I'm hoping this would be I would do flips if they start two and two. And if they start two and two, I think nine and three is happening, Vince. I just I don't know. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure on it though. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm worried about just one win in the first four. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Worried about that first game right now. It's it's so critical. It to, is to win that first game. If if Virginia is supposed to be the class of that of that division, uh, we know we got uh, Miami to be concerned about. But it, for me, looking at the schedule, the, the rest of those teams don't really scare me. No. A, a whole lot. Of course, North Carolina scares me. <laughs> but in terms of in terms of stand conference standings, that that's uh, how I'm looking at it. Yeah, the, not, that's the thing is the coastal is it's the difference between the the best team and the worst isn't going to be that much. So no one really scares you. You know, you're just going to be fighting tooth and nail and all season long keeping up with the standings. In some games, you might have cakewalks because some teams shoot themselves in the foot in this division. But who knows what's going to happen, what team you're going to get whenever you're facing a Syracuse on the road. Could it be that that orange team that, you know, upset Clemson? Or are they going to be uh, the team that was there, you know, that – what's his name? Dino Babers was, you know, trying to patch back together when he first started. Everyone's expecting good things from them. And then you, you of course, look at Georgia Tech and you expect <laughs> – no, they've got five million running backs. They should kill this team. And then you go watch. They go to Atlanta and they have to win by a last second field goal or something, or God forbid, lose. I have no idea. That's why <laughs> I'm erring on the side of a medium, a medium type of pick here. Eight and four, Pam. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, that, that's rather medium. Yep, it's a bowl game. That's a bowl game. It is, and it might it well, might I, win you the the division. The division. I, I guess we'll get into that. Uh, um, after we hear what you know, people around town are saying, right, Alan? Yeah, they're they're really they're, the talk is heating up. I, I was at uh, a bar uh, just around the corner f- from where I live in Greenfield, and I walked in at like one a.m. and they all know that I got, I got the it's my local bar. They all know I got the Pit Podcast, and they and they just started yapping my ear off about the team and saying a bunch of different things and. I mean, some of them we can't play on the podcast, but some of them we can, which is why we created this segment, right, Vince? That's absolutely right. Another Saturday coming, and the Panthers are playing. Time to find out what the answers are saying. You know, I don't know about this this picket kid. Narduzzi needs to bring another quarterback. I mean, they got all these transfers going all over the place. Why can't we get one? Oh, yeah. My buddy Tommy from Town of Rocks, he got a better arm than him. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I, you know, I haven't even seen him throw an at-rat yet, but, you know, I, I'm i more thinking about, like, my neighbor Timmy from Down the Run, you know? That, you know, he went to Central Catholic. But the answers are saying. So that's what the answers are saying. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of criticism uh, a lot of heightened scrutiny going on this season. No, no doubt about that. Uh, we've covered the other four Power Five conferences on our previous two podcasts. We got one more left, the ACC, and uh, we're going to get into that here. So why don't you kick us off, Alan? Oh, college football, and it's the best conference in college football for the first time in its history, as far as I know. Not being brought to you by Food Lion or Bojangles, or insurance that you could only get in North Carolina. It's the ACC Network, and it is a national brand now, baby. And the ACC Conference is going to be 
I mean, chock full of, of, of crazy games. I'm predicting it right now. Even crazy, we're going to see games even crazier than the one that LSU and A&M had last last season. We're going to see, I think, like four of those in the ACC because it's so <laughs> it's so tight. The teams are so tight, so close, especially in the Coastal. And I think the top question we have to ask is uh, about the team that well, won the whole damn thing last year and put is really keeping the ACC afloat in terms of uh, contending nationally, and that is Clemson. Can anybody in this conference beat the Clemson Tigers? No. 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 And, so we can move on to the next say, question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll even say that, you know, they have a they have a tough non-conference game against Texas A&M. Um, they're not going to lose that game either. Yeah, I would rephrase that and say that Texas A&M has a tough non-conference game against Clemson. But <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, going to be seeing another great Clemson Tiger team. Although... This is their Alabama test this year for the Clemson Tigers because Alabama, what is the thing they say about that team? Uh, they don't rebuild, they reload. Even they'll throw a sophomore mm-hmm. and a junior, or even a freshman out there at any position, and they'll perform to you know all American caliber. Clemson's defensive line is chock full of sophomores and juniors, and and really, I think only what one junior maybe. They they're pretty young, and they're replacing NFL caliber talents right there. They are, but you know, you they still have you know guys that that are you know world renowned already. Uh, you know, even if their defense takes a step back, who's stopping this offense? I, if you look at the the preseason ACC all ACC team, there are nine Clemson players on on the first team. It, it's just unheard of. They're, they're all guys that are coming back. They're all extremely good. Uh, this team is just going to roll through people. And another here's a, a fun fact about why the coastal is going to be so tight this year is because of all the coastal teams, two of them face Clemson, and they're the two teams you would probably pick to finish last in the division anyway in Georgia Tech and North Carolina. That means all the <laughs> all the good teams in the coastal get to avoid Clemson this year, which makes it even tougher to pick. I think. The, yeah, <laughs> the bottom half teams in uh, the coast are going to face a beating Georgia Tech and UNC against Clemson. And then Alabama opens up the season against Duke. So the coastal teams are bottom coastal teams are going to get some uh, beatings this year. Uh, we, we get to see uh, this year uh, a, a new a new Syracuse team under the, under the reins of Tommy DeVito which I'm really excited to watch uh, them replace Eric Dungy, Vince, who I know you uh, thought was a fun quarterback to watch. Tommy DeVito comes in for Dino Babers, and they're on the come up in Syracuse. Everybody's expecting big things from them. Do you think their new quarterback can shine like their old tough Eric Dungy did or like Nate Peterman did? Yeah, well, uh, you know, DeVito, he did get in some games last year, um, but because uh, you know, Dungy, just a reckless player. Uh, but uh, it remains to be seen how he, good he's going to do in a starting role. You know, they got excellent, excellent receivers on that team. You know, a very good uh, defensive line. But you got to feel like their, you know, record from last year was very inflated by uh, a you know, just a, a weak non-conference schedule. I mean, they couldn't even beat Pitt last year. Um, so I, it, it just seems like, you know, there's a lot of hype around this team. I just think they're going to take a step back. 
And last year, but last year, though, Syracuse did play Clemson very, very tough. Trevor Lawrence got hurt in that game. Yes. They had to use the, the third string the, the guy. String 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 Kelly Bryant left. Yep. So I, I think it's but, one of those teams that can make it competitive. It's not going to be a walkover. But for then Clemson. when they went up against Notre Dame later in the season, they got destroyed. But maybe they have Clemson's number. They play. T- they play Clemson tough. You got to give them that. They the last do. Couple they do. Years. And, and that I believe is going to be that's an early game in the season, um, and uh, pro- probably a night game at, at Syracuse. You know, that's probably maybe the biggest you know game in that program's history in twenty years. Uh, so you know they're going to be rocking uh, to play against them for sure. But I just don't think it's going to be enough. So when it comes to the Atlantic, then who gets to be the, the bridesmaid uh, behind Clemson? Is it Cuse, Florida State, with their with uh, their hopefully revitalized uh, team? With the you know, poor Willie Taggart, it, the the place is a mess. They're losing. They're hemorrhaging money at the <laughs> university. Uh, but they did get a transfer quarterback to shore up things behind James Blackman, who won the starting job. They have Alex Hornibrook from Wisconsin. Which quarter? Which quarterback do you think finishes the season for FSU, and can they be number two behind Clemson? Their offensive line. I, yeah. I'm avoiding the question, but it their might not off, be either. It might break exactly. <laughs> their offensive line in the past two years has been absolutely horrific, and so. They better hope that's improved so these guys can stay healthy and be protected. Um, I think if we take health out of the factor, I think it will be James Blackman. I think last year uh, Alex Hornibrook showed that he's not that top-level quarterback. Right. Yep, but he is a a safety net, I think, that they very much needed at FSU, especially with their recent history with quarterbacks going down. Uh, I think what before him they were down to – Blackman and just walk-ons. Um, the yeah, the, the Atlantic. It's Clemson and everybody else. We'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Cuse finishes too. Um, I'm not. I I don't think Taggart's lasting long at FSU. That place just looks like. I mean, it looks like my my house after a, a UFC pay per view or something. It's really rough. It's gonna be like this, like a ninety minute washing of the dishes for me. For me, after that, that equates to like three years of fixing the program there at Florida State. I agree with you. I think Syracuse will finish second. And I, I think Taggart, there's a chance if this looks really bad, like awful again, he might not finish the year there. Yikes. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure what their early schedule is, uh, but if they get behind early, um, it, it's going to be, and he ends up being like a lame duck coach. That's not, that doesn't bode well. Do you think if they ask Jimbo Fisher politely for some money back, he'll give it to them and then they could fix their program? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jimbo doesn't strike me as that type of guy, personally. <laughs> Did he have a nasty divorce? He probably has all that money at lawyers right now. Uh, the, co- oh, yeah. the Coastal is uh, obviously wide open. We've been talking about it all show, but just how wide open from for how many teams can realistically win the Coastal Division? Uh, well, uh, well, we'll say the Panthers, the Hurricanes, the Cavaliers. I think for me, that's where the list ends. 
I, I, a lot of people are high on Virginia Tech. I, I am not. I think that. How could you pick a team? How could you, anyone pick a team whose players were purposefully trying to not win? Yeah, I know. Pat Boston. Boston he, he, he summed it up very well. Uh, you know, kind of talking about all the things that we've heard about them this offseason. Uh, they, they don't scare me one bit. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a battle between those three. I really do. Well, the, the ACC is going to be, I think, really fun. But then when you get to the end, the thing that stinks about the ACC is it's fun all season long until the championship game. And then, <laughs> and then, and then reality sets in and you realize, well, Clemson's also in the conference. So who's going to face Clemson and who are they going to beat on in the, uh, in the conference title game? I'm going to go Virginia. All right. Yeah, I think I think they're I think they're focused enough. I think I think they can do it. I think Virginia, but I think Pitt finishes second actually. I just am not optimistic about Miami. I think they're a year or two they need to get things figured out on the offensive side of the ball. They couldn't get it going under Mark Richt with quarterbacks and all. I I just don't have the faith I either. Agree. The defense is so freaking good though. I know. And yeah. And there, it's a, it's a. I'm really interested to see how Manny Diaz does as the head coach. Uh, he he seemed like a, a, a guy who is just ready to set the world on fire. I thought watching uh, ACC Media Days, um, I, I think he could be, become a big deal. But with so many question marks on offense, I I'm hesitant. Uh, but then Virginia, that that's why you feel comfortable picking them because they have more on offense they have the quarterback i just don't think they've they've got you know they're they're, they're like medium all around they they've got a great corner okay player here and there i think there are more good players on miami so i'm picking miami i'm, I'm gonna pick pitt to win the division um and virginia i think is good but you know pitt was able to beat you know maybe a better virginia team last year and, and we expect pitt to be much better this year uh and, and miami See, the thing about them is, uh, like you said, that offense is such a huge question mark. They're starting a freshman quarterback. Uh, Alan, you could probably speak to this, that Dan Enos, uh, as the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, maybe not the best guy you want to you know, turn over your offense to with Manny, B- Manny Diaz, who doesn't, doesn't do offense. Um, so it, it just seems like, there's going to be some growing pains there. You never know you, with them if they're going to be motivated. Uh, th- they're an up and down team to me. Yeah, but they've. The thing is, their defense is so good. <laughs> they're not going to have to score a lot. I don't think. I mean, they've got really one of my favorite players in all of college football going into this season, Shaq Quarterman, who is, I mean, quintessential type of middle linebacker leader you want. On a team like this, this has potential to be one of those kind of defenses. I, I maybe even better than the turnover chain defense, the de- the defense that debuted it. You know when Kenny Pickett beat him. So I I think just the defense is so good, the offense is going to be afforded to go through some growing pains. And and also don't forget they have some some veteran receivers. I think who could you know if they've given given an opportunity, guys like Jeff Thomas for Miami can make plays and. I'm I'm just I'm too infatuated with Manny Diaz and and the U 
kind of creeping up back into uh, the ACC limelight for uh, me to pick Virginia, who I just hit history tells you that, okay, it's Virginia's turn because that's how the coastal's gone. But I, I'm leaning t- more towards Miami. Obviously, Pitt's going to be right there too. But uh, with all, I mean, Pitt has as many questions, I think, offensively as my, Miami does with the passing game. So that that's a fair point. I, I I just don't have a you know I mean I it, I don't have a ton of faith in them. I, I guess is what what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I guess they're kind of like Pitt in that you know they you know for yeah. the past you know however many years you know you, you think they're going to take that that next step and, and, and get back to a high level and they just don't do it. It's really, I'm we're talking razor thin dif- differences between all these teams. There's a good quarterback at Virginia, but the rest is kind of blah. There's nothing offensively in Miami that really excites you, but the defense is very, very, very good. Pitt is solid, you know, in, in many position groups, but then of course have major question marks uh, with the passing game, but that's shown more flashes, I guess, than Miami. Uh, I should have picked Pitt now. You've kind of talked me into it, but I'm going to stick with the U and uh, say they get trounced by Clemson in the in the conference title game. Um, last thing we have on the agenda here, I think, is a uh, uh, Notre Dame, and and they're not ACC, but they are an ACC. I guess adjacent is what the cool kids would say. So Notre Dame, will they get back to the playoff this year? No. I I don't think so either. I don't think it's close. I think they, I think they dropped to like nine and three or eight and four this year. Oh wow, that much! Really? I mean, they, they have to they have to play at Georgia. I, I don't see them winning that game. They have a, a tough game at Michigan, which, which is going to be um, a loss. Which is going to be uh, which could very well be a loss. Um, and then you think they also have to play? They have to play Virginia. I believe they, you know, they got they got Southern Cal, they got Stanford, um, so they got Virginia Tech too. I mean, we're yeah. all the three of us aren't very high on Virginia Tech, but um, yeah, it's so, not going to be an easy game. Yeah, so and even if they would get by Michigan, you could see them dropping one of those other games, and you know, ten and two or so isn't going to cut it. Uh, it. If he does, like you say, if he if they do go eight and four, you know, is, is Brian Kelly gone? No. Is he out of there? No. No. No, I don't think so. What if Urban Meyer wants the job? <laughs> then that's a different question. People um, in uh, L.A. Are, are already penciling in Meyer at USC, so he will have to talk to USC. He's going to be working there all, all year long. Uh, I'm saying yeah, for Fox, right? I'm going to say Notre yep. Dame doesn't get into the playoff, but also here's my bold prediction. I think I kind of alluded to this when we did Pac-12 preview. USC, Southern Cal is going to beat Notre Dame this year in LA. That's my big prediction for the Fighting Irish this year. Ian Book, okay. Ian Book's going to go back home to California and lose the Southern Cal. The offensive line at Notre Dame, nowhere near uh, the level it was a couple of years ago, where the right. I mean, where they had a couple guys, three got two or three guys go to the NFL, um, and uh, they're just they're just not there. The, the schedule isn't playing out as a Notre Dame year. They're going to be probably competitive in most of their games. I bet they get trounced by Georgia. The answer no on Notre Dame. It's the first week of college football though this week. There is a game to predict and we did talk a lot about Miami. They've played the Florida Gators this week, Pam. Who you got winning? Um 
I got the Gators winning here by a touchdown to 10 points. Um, yeah. I, I, Dan Mullen has got this team ready to play. They played well last year. They were a little up and down. If they can play consistently, that defense is excellent. Um, and then Felipe Franks, another year there. Um, he's not going to be a quarterback that lights the world on fire, but he doesn't need to be. He needs to be someone who doesn't give up the big mistake. So um, we talked about our question marks with the U. So I definitely think Florida wins this one here. Yeah, Florida right now a seven and a half point favorite at the Westgate. Um, and I that's a that's tough to say that they're gonna win by more than a touchdown. Um, but I I am favoring the Gators here for, for what you said. There's a lot of you know not high expectations for this Miami offense. And you know, even if it is a low scoring game, two two good defenses going at it, I got more faith in, in Florida be able to make a few plays than Miami, and, and I, I think they could cover that seven and a half, although I wouldn't feel great about it. I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be a defensive mm-hmm. battle at this game. Um, Florida can I, I love the I love their uh, running backs. They've got P Ryan, who's a thumper, but I don't know what a thumper is going to do against Miami's team, especially with their linebackers. This is going to be a close one, but I'm picking the Gators uh, because I think th- that they're going to be really tough to take down this season with that defense and an offense that can do a little a little bit more than Miami. And you know what? It's also my first college football season in, what, three or four years. I'm not living in Louisiana. So I'm going to get to do the Gator chomp watching this game the whole time, and I'm excited for that. <laughs> Do you think they cover the seven and a half? No, I think it's going to be a close, 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 game. close defensive struggle. Gators, I'm going to say by six. Okay. It's going to be fun. It's going to be the, it's going to be remembered. I'm hoping this, I, I think it will be remembered as the best start to a college football season ever. I mean, when do we no, get easily? It will when, be. when do we yeah. get a game like this is the very first game kicking off a season. I'm, I'm hyped for it. What was it last year or two years ago? Stanford played in Australia to kick off the year or something yeah, crazy something like that. Like that, but so this is prime time. Two top, top, top notch programs going at it. Has there ever been a, a game of this magnitude contested on U.S. soil to start start a season this early <laughs> in week zero? I don't know, uh, and you know, I I would love I, I would love I would just say this if I was one of the broadcasters just to be a jerk. This could be a preview of our national championship game. Because <laughs> crazier things have happened, but there's paths for both teams. There are. Well, there are. I mean, both teams are undefeated right now. It's true. Uh, yeah, so they're looking really good. Uh, what a contest. And losing to either team uh, this weekend won't hurt either, I don't think, except for Pride and probably Florida recruiting. But what a way to kick off – the uh, season and what a way to finish our preseason well, episodes. Well, well, this is huge because you can't win that uh, prestigious, you know, Florida Governor's Cup or whatever <laughs> it is, unless you unless you sweep, uh, you know, the other two teams with both, which both these teams will play this year. Doesn't so, UC, doesn't UCF have that right now? No, they're they're not involved. That's unfair. That's not. They fair. haven't beaten the they haven't beaten the other three. <laughs> oh man well there you go pam our preseason episodes are done next week we begin in-season 
podcasting, which means uh, preview of the Virginia game and everything that goes into week one. Yeah, I'm excited. I cannot wait. We we're just talking about next weekend at Heinz Field. They have the Rib Fest going on. So before the game, you can load up, carb load, because you're going to use lots and lots of energy uh, watching that Virginia game next Saturday night. Are you taking a jab at me because you know I'm being forced to go out of town for week one and the best weekend in all of Pittsburgh? <laughs> um, I actually didn't think about that, but <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Now I am. Yeah, I'll be watching – uh, the game from North Carolina for a forced family vacation, but uh, I'm going to go to a food lion for the first time, Vince. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Stock up on all your favorite North Carolina groceries. Yeah. When I was in Carolina, food lion was my store. So you'll enjoy it. Get a prepackaged chicken and watch the game. You guys can actually, go to, <laughs> you could actually go to chicken in Oakland before the game. All right. That's it. We got anything left this week at, h2p show on twitter and instagram to follow us and uh, tell your friends if your friends hail to pit tell them to hail to pit with us on social media uh, school's back in session if you're a student uh, start spreading the word around campus and getting everybody real hype get the school spirit going pam yeah i drove through campus today saw everyone around for arrival s- survival <laughs> survival arrival whatever it's called everyone yeah. was around campus moving in uh people were getting hyped for this year yeah they, they still use the survivor logo for that arrival survival gimmick uh on all the paraphernalia and web stuff they do for move-in week people still watch survivor events i i don't know you know <laughs> season season 30 <laughs> battle of the sexes uh um I don't know. Man versus food. <laughs> Something like that. Man versus beast. Well, if, uh, if you're moving in, hopefully you're uh, you're surviving your arrival. If you're not at Pitt and you're a, a grad, we hope you're going to be hyped for this season and you follow along all season with us. Uh, sorry, Vince, did I cut you off? No, I'm just going to say uh, in a, a great episode here. I feel like we got 3% better, especially due to mm-hmm. our, our world-renowned guest, Pat Bostic, doing an excellent job. On this program, giving us some real insight uh, into these Panthers as we get ready to kick it off next week. Yes, thanks to Pat Bostic for being our guest. Thanks to everybody for listening at H2P Show. Follow along. Hail to Pit. Hail to Pit. Hail to Pit. Hail to pit. Hail to pit.